prayer together uh, that we pray almost every week. So join me. The words are up here on the screen. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. So once again, we are starting the new year with a week of prayer as we join with others in our denomination this week. And the theme of the prayer focus is God hears our prayers. And that is my uh, title of my message today. And the scripture verse for this week is from Yochanan Allah, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. So I want to read that verse along with verse 15 as I begin my message today to encourage us as we go into this week of prayer, again, joining many others across the nation and around the world within our denomination. So Yochanan writes this, is the confidence we have in his presence. If we ask anything that accords with his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, then we know that we have what we have asked from him. Now, many, many years as a believer, I know that doubt and unbelief will try to cause you and me to feel that God does not hear our prayers or that he is selective to the prayers that he hears. And I believe that today, Adonai wants to encourage each of us here listening to this message in the sanctuary online, or if you're listening to a podcast at a later date, that Adonai is a prayer-answering God. And as we go into this week of prayer, we, we joined with others across the island in December for 21 days of prayer, and each congregation took a day, and we were one of the congregations asked to start it out, so we started, uh, we were on the first day, and we prayed with those, and our presbyter texted us the other day saying he believes that these prayers are going to propel us into a good things. And as we sung today, uh, we're going to see victory, a year of jubilee, a year of release from our, our God. Uh, but this week, we are joining not just with others across Long Island, but literally across this nation and around the world <clears throat> in a season of prayer. And so I believe God wants to encourage us truly, truly to know in our heart of hearts that God does hear our prayers. So when I looked at this passage, when I looked at this passage, three things stood out to me that I want to share with us this morning. The first is that we can have confidence when we come into God's presence. The Greek word used in this passage is often used of Yeshua and his ministry and his interaction with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the uh, rulers of the day. And in that context, it meant that he was outspoken or blunt, or as I like to say, he was a straight shooter. You could see that of Yeshua, right? He didn't mince words. He said it, it like it was. So that's the connotation behind this Greek word, someone who is very outspoken, blunt, telling you just like it is. In our context, it has the connotation of boldness, in the presence of someone of a higher rank than ourselves. And obviously, God is higher than us. He's the creator of the universe. So I wanted to read a little paragraph from an article I was reading about this Greek word that help us understand the nuance of it. And the writer said that confidence or boldness, this Greek word, uh, parousia, 
uh, it means this act of speaking literally all speech or speaking all things and conveys the idea of freedom to say all, to say everything that you want to say at the moment. And he goes on to say the basic idea of freedom is of speech is freedom of speech or an attitude of openness that stems from freedom and a lack of fear to speak all. And I believe God wants us to understand that when he says there is this confidence, it means you and I do not have to be fearful or intimidated when we come into God's presence. We can come in with a boldness and with a confidence, not, you know, in, intimidated or shrinking in fear. Oh, no, is he going to listen or not? The Greeks often use this word of those who had the right to speak openly in the assembly. But in our context, again, the writer said, ultimately, it is talking about a quality of confidence which is energized by the indwelling Ruach, the indwelling spirit, who emboldens you and me as spirit-filled believers to openly declare with great conviction what he bursts within us, again, to come before God's presence with boldness. We know that we are coming before God Almighty, the creator of the universe. So how can we be so bold or confident when we're coming before this most holy God? I think the key to this is in verse 13. Right before verse 13, 14, and the context is very important to understanding the scriptures. And here, Yochanan writes, you know, chapter 5 is the last chapter of this book, and he is summarizing things. And in chapter 5, verse 13, he writes this, I have written you these things so that you may know, so that you may know that you have eternal life, you who keep trusting in the person and power of the Son of God. So the fact that I know that I know that I have eternal life gives me the confidence to come and be to God's presence in prayer. The fact that God Almighty loved me so much that while I was yet a sinner, right, Romans tells us, Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Messiah died for us. In fact, we know in Revelation it says, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. What does that mean, friends? It means that Yeshua made a decision before God ever created mankind that he would lay down his life to bring redemption to you and me. So if God Almighty loved you and me so much, Yoganon 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son to die for our sins to redeem us, so that I know that I know that my name is written in the book of life today. If that is true, then that gives me a confidence to come before him in prayer. Amen? If he loves me so much that he died for me, then I can be confident that he is going to hear me when I come into his presence. This confidence is not in me personally. It is not in my prayers, the words that I speak, but it is in God himself. Again, I know he loves me. I know he made a great sacrifice for me. And that gives me a confidence and a boldness to come before him and to make my requests known to him.
The second thing that these verses spoke to me is that how we pray matters. How we pray matters. Now, by that, I'm not talking about the actual words we necessarily say because we can get caught up on the, in that, and sometimes people are like, oh, I don't pray like you or Rabbi Michael, or I don't pray as eloquently as this person or that person. In reality, I know for myself, and I'm sure my husband would say the same thing, sometimes after a pray, I'm like, what in the heck just came out of my mouth, right? <laughs> so you may think I pray eloquently, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't even think that made sense. We're not talking about the words necessarily that come from our mouth, okay? But how we pray matters. And here in Yochanan, uh, all of chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, it says that we need to pray according to his will. That's important, friends. In fact, Yaakov tells us sometimes we pray amiss. You pray and you don't receive because you pray amiss. In other words, you're not praying according to his will. And over the years, a lot of people have struggled with what is God's will. And friends, to me, it's a very simple equation. His will is what he reveals in his word. God reveals his will in his word. He reveals his character in his word. So I can never go wrong if I pray according to what is written in his word. So we quote the scripture from Malachi every week before we speak the blessing. So if I was personally having a financial struggle and issue, that would be one of the verses I would pray accordingly. I would say, God, according to your word, you tell me that if I give your tithe and offering, and I am faithful to do that, I've been faithful since I was a kid, I was taught at a very young age to always give God his tithe and my offering, you tell me that you will rebuke the devourer and you will pour out abundance. So God, according to what you say in your word, I am praying for you to meet my financial need. I would also use the scripture from the new covenant where Yeshua is speaking to his Talmudim and they are worried about things. And he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink, what, what you're going to wear. He says, consider the lilies of the field and the, the birds in the air. He says, they are, so, they are taken care of. And if I take care of them, how much more will I take care of you? So if I'm a person who has a financial need, that would be a verse I would say, God, you say in your word that I don't have to worry. And I'm not going to worry about my financial need, but I am asking you to meet that need according to your word. You said that you take care of the lilies of the field and the flowers and the birds in the air and that you will take care of me even more. So, so God, take care of me. Meet my financial need. Do you see what I'm saying, friends? If I pray according to God's will, according to what he writes in his word, I know that he's going to hear an answer. You have a loved one who doesn't yet know Yeshua. God says to pray that they would come out of light into darkness. That's a word you can pray. Anything that is in his word, you can pray over your situation. So I know what his will is because he reveals it in the Bible. One commentator said prayer must be viewed not as our attempt to get God to see things from our point of view, 
but as our attempt to see things from God's point of view. When we grow, mature, study, and meditate on Scripture and seek the will of God, we try to ask ourselves not what we want, but what does God want? And that makes us progress in our prayer. And if you're not sure what he says, my husband says this a lot. I mentioned this in another message recently. God is the best communicator. God, what do you want right now in my life? God, what are you doing right now? And he speaks and he tells you so you can pray according to his will. The scriptures encourage us on these things as well. How should we pray? Another way the scripture tells us to pray is to pray in faith. Yeshua speaks this often to those listening to him while he walked on this earth. In Matthew, Matthew 21, 19 through 22, he's walking along the road with his Talmudim, and it says, spotting a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. So he said to it, may you never again bear fruit. And immediately the fig tree dried up. The Talmudim saw this, and they were amazed. How did the fig tree dry up so quickly, they said. Yeshua answered them, I tell you, if you have faith and don't doubt, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea, it will be done. Wow. Wow. In other words, he said, you will receive everything you ask for in prayer, no matter what it is, provided you have faith. And friends, that's why I'm speaking this message, because I, we're going into this week of prayer, and I don't want your prayers to be wimpy. I don't want them to be doubt and unbelief. I don't want you to go through a religious exercise because, oh, the congregation's praying, so let me just do it because I have to do it. I want you to have faith as we approach this week of prayer and every day that you pray, that God hears your prayer and that he answers. Yaakov tells us, don't be double-minded, being tossed to and fro like the, the, the waves on the wind. The person who is that way, he says, will never receive anything he prays for. Andrew Murray, a great man of prayer from our previous century, said, beware in your prayers above everything else of limiting God, not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what he can do. Expect unexpected things above all that we ask or think. See, that's what a prayer of faith is. That prayer of faith is a prayer of expectation and hope. I sent out a word for the new year, and I talked about hope and expectation from Isaiah, my father's favorite verse, saying that wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord, hope, expect, that's what that word wait means. Shall renew their strength, they will mount up with wings as eagles, right? Not, not grow weary. So we need to have faith and trust in God and expect the unexpected. Don't limit God and say, well, God, I know you can do this, 
So I'm only going to pray for this because I don't think you can do this. No, no, no. He says in Ephesians, I will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or imagine. And that's what Andrew Murray was referring to in that quote. A prayer of faith expects the unexpected. So friends, how we pray matters. You need to pray in faith. How do I get faith? Faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. You're going to hear a lot of the word today. Because I want to come against that spirit of doubt and unbelief. I can remember years ago when we were going down to the Brownsville Revival, etc., and uh, we took a group over to a rally in, in New Jersey, and uh, one of the uh, revivalists from Argentina was there to speak, and we wanted to go, and we wanted to just receive an impartation. And I remember when he got up and speak, spoke, the very first thing he said, as I come against the spirit of doubt and unbelief. That spirit is prevalent in this world. It always has been. Yeshua addressed it many, many times. Have faith, not doubt and unbelief. How else do we need to pray? We must pray consistently. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Yeshua told them a story showing them that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. In other words, persevere. And so this is the, the parable, the story of the person who came knocking on the neighbor's door. I need some bread. Please get up. But it was nighttime, and the neighbor said, stop bothering me. But the person kept, I need some bread. Get up. I need some bread. And it says, finally, the guy got up, not because he was gracious or kind, but because he did not want to be bothered anymore. And he said, okay, here's your bread. Go, leave me alone. And Yeshua said, if that earthly man would respond to the persistency of the person knocking and saying, give me bread, how much more would your heavenly Father respond to your persistent prayer? Friends, never, never stop praying. Persevere, don't give up. I don't, I don't care how long it is you have been praying for that loved one, praying for breakthrough or release in whatever area of your life, never, ever give up. Never give up. Ian Bounds, another great man of prayer from the previous generation, said, Our praying, however, needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires, a persistency which will not be denied, and a courage which never fails. Friends, we need to be persistent in prayer. Persevering, not giving up. When we persevere in prayer, we will receive what God has promised in his word. How else should we pray? Ephesians 6:18 tells us to pray in the Ruach. So as you pray at all times, Rav Shaul writes, with all kinds of prayers and requests, how? In the Ruach, in the Spirit. Vigilantly and persistently for all God's people. And friends, that does mean praying in tongues. We are a spirit-filled, ruach-filled congregation, and we believe in speaking in tongues. We believe tongues is the initial evidence of the infilling of the ruach HaKodesh. But not only that, we believe that speaking in tongues is something that we should be doing in this verse and others 
tell us to do that. We're told to build ourselves up in our most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. And that includes praying in tongues. I was sharing in the first service, I was remembering, you know, uh, years ago when I ran into Marcia Corbett, may her name be a memory, she has left this world. Uh, but we ran into her, and she, you know, is her bouncy self, Marcia, and she's like, Carol, Carol, you know, I just, I, God told me I just need to start praying in the Spirit. I wasn't praying in tongues anymore, and I've started praying in tongues, and oh, and she's just going on and on. You know how those who knew Marcia know her exuberance and things, and she's bouncing up and down, and God used her to convict me. She's right. I'm not praying in the Spirit like I should either. My kids were younger at that point. Throw them in the car. You can ask them, they'd often be in the car driving around, and i just start praying in tongues, right, as I'm driving. So praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. But it's not just praying in, in our heavenly language either. Rav Shaul tells us in Romans 8, 28, and in a similar way, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times... We don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. Friends, there have been times when I've been in the prayer meeting Growing up here in this sanctuary, I can remember being right here during a prayer meeting and the Spirit of God came over me. I can remember being over on that side, the Spirit of God coming over me. And there were no words that were coming out. There was a groaning and a weeping and a travailing. That's praying in the Spirit, friends. We need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't take us over. We partner with him. We have talked many times about how we are co-laborers with God. It's not that the Spirit takes our body and mind over in our mouth. No, we are partnering with him. But he prayed through me. And groanings, there were groanings and travailing and much tears and weeping. And we need to, to do that, again, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, but also allowing the Spirit to groan through us. Friends, some of you have lost the art of praying. Look at me. You need to, to pick that art up this week. I said in the first service, I know people have prayed more this past year than probably ever before. Because of our world situation, because of what has happened, I do believe that more people have been praying. But I also think a lot of people are weary by this situation in our world and may feel like, what's the use? I want to tell you, there's a big reason to pray. And that reason is because God hears. And some of you have called to be intercessors and you've laid that mantle down. And you need to pick that mantle back up. And you need to, to become the intercessor that God has called you to be in the body of Messiah. For this local congregation that you're part of, if you're here at Beth Emanuel, if you're listening and you're part of another congregation, then you need to be an intercessor for that congregation. How else should we pray? Pray fervently. Yaakov 5.16 says, the effective fervent prayer, fervent prayer, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. 
Now, I'm not naive enough. I've been around for a while, and I've spoken many times. Fervency doesn't mean that you're the loudest person in the room, okay, although I can pray very loud. Doesn't always mean you're the most emotional. But, friends, it does mean you're showing a little life. Just saying, you know, sometimes my husband and I leave a prayer meeting. Obviously, now they're online, but even online, it's like we think we need to put a mirror under your noses to see if you're breathing. Friends, that doesn't speak of fervency to us. Fervency is a prayer that says, God, you told me in your word that if I cry out for my loved ones, you will bring salvation to them. God, I am not going to stop praying until I see my family come to faith. God, I will not let go until you release freedom to the mental torment on my child, on my family. God, I will not let go until you break the chains of darkness off my child, off my marriage. God, I am going to cry out day and night until release comes into this world and into this nation and into this community. It is like the woman with the issue of blood. She pressed through that crowd. She was not going to let anyone stop her from touching the hem of his garment. She was reaching out to grab hold of those seat seat because she knew that she knew the minute she touched those seat seats, she would be healed. There was a fervency in her. She crawled along that ground. She pushed people aside. Whatever energy she had, she used it because she was going to touch God and receive release into her body that day. Friends, you and I need to have that fervency about us that we are going to reach out and grab hold of the throne room of God. We are going to grab hold of his seat seat and we're going to cry out until, until, until. And yeah, that might mean we weep and cry some. It might mean we shout and yell, whatever it is. And it might mean we are the most quietest. I'm going to quote Leonard Ravenhill here in a few minutes. But instead of him, he would be very quiet in the prayer meeting, sitting quietly, and then he would pray. And that man was a man of great prayer. He was not loud. He was not boisterous, but he was fervent. How else should we pray? This one's not popular. Pray with fasting. Matthew 17:21, Yeshua says, this kind does not go out except through prayer and fasting. This is after he has been up on the mountain and his Talmudim tried to deliver the young uh, man with the demon and they could not do it. And Yeshua comes down and he releases, boom, it's done. And the Talmudim are like, why couldn't we do it? Yeshua said, because prayer and fasting is what's needed. Friends, serious times and situations demand serious prayer on our part. And that includes fasting. Think of the men and women in the scriptures who fasted and prayed. Think of Nehemiah. 
God, he fasted. What should I do? Go before the king. What should I do in Jerusalem? Believe it or not, we are soon going to be celebrating Purim. Think of young Hadassah. Three days calling the Jewish people to fast and pray. Why? It was almost annihilation of the Jewish people. That was a serious situation. You think we're facing anything serious in our world today? Do you think that that might require a little fasting on our part as the people of God? I want to tell you, without exception for the most part, unless you have a medical condition that prevents you, every single person listening to my voice can fast one meal a week. Just saying. One meal a week. And if you have a medical condition that prevents you from fasting, a meal a week, fast something else. Your favorite TV show. Something to show God that you are serious. Daniel prayed and fasted. The early Kehilah, when you read through the book of Acts, they were always gathering together for prayer and fasting. And one of those occasions is when the Ruach spoke and said, let's set aside Rav Shaul and Barnabas for the work of the ministry. Rav Shaul, who God used powerfully to change the whole known world, to spread the Besorah. He was commissioned because of a meeting, prayer meeting combined with fasting. These are different ways that we need to pray. How we pray matters. Pray according to his will. Pray consistently. Pray fervently. Pray in faith. Fast as you pray. But the most important truth that I believe Adonai wants us to take away from this message today is that our prayers are answered. As the theme for this year's week of prayer says, and it's the title of our message, God hears our prayers. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that. God hears our prayer. It says in verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, which we do, because he just told us in verse 14, whatever we ask, then we know that we have what we ask from him. God hears our prayers. We have shared many times about the meaning of the Hebrew word Shema. It has the connotation of hearing, not just of listening, but hearing with the intent to do something about what you have heard. So when God says he hears, it means he intends to do something in your life and in my life. I have a lot of verses in this section. Why? Because we need to know the truth, right? We said earlier, faith comes by hearing the word of God. I want you to hear the word of God because I know the enemy wants to try to discourage us uh, from praying or he gets us so distracted, so distracted by everything that is going on in our world and it's a mess, as I said in my uh, uh, e email, and don't get me started because I could go on a lot of things that I see. And, uh, but you know what? We can get so distracted by all of that that we don't spend the time praying. Do you hear what I'm saying? So all of these things are happening. No, we're not going to stick our 
heads in the sand and ignore what's happening in our world situation, but the best response to what is happening in the world situation, to what is happening in your life personally, is for you to pray. And yet, that is the thing that we often revert to last. We'll go talk to another person about it. Let's talk to the rabbi. Let's talk to my mom. Let's talk to my sister. Let's talk to the neighbor. Let's talk to another one in the congregation. And yeah, we'll say a quick prayer up to God. Oh, God, take care of this. But what about travailing? God, I want to see something change. So yeah, maybe go lock yourself in the room, turn off the TV for a while, and lock yourself in the room. Oh, I have little kids. Oh, so what? Let them run around you. Was it uh, Wesley's mom? Help me, Jim. Was it through the uh, apron over her head? So she had a lot of kids. I think she had 13 kids. When it was prayer time, that apron went over her head, and the kids knew, don't bother mama. She is praying. Whatever it takes for you to get a closet to pray in, friends, this is the season and hour where God needs men and women, young people, boys and girls to be praying. You have little kids, teach them to pray. That's the best thing you could ever, ever do. I've always said that to my kids. I don't care what you do when you grow up. My daughter is now studying to be a speech pathologist. I think she's going to be great. I just am so amazed as I listen to her talk about everything. My son wants to be a professor. We know he can talk a lot. <laughs> it going to be no problem with that for him. But we always told our kids, we don't care what you do in life, but you need to be devoted to God. And we train them to be praying children, and they're now praying young adults. I'm amazed as I listen. I, I have the studio in between their two rooms. I can hear my daughter on one side and my son on the other side. And my husband, you know, can hear them as well. And my heart is touched because I know my kids know how to pray. So you who have younger kids, don't use it as an excuse not to pray. Bring your kids in and teach them to pray. And if your kids are older, you better definitely start teaching them to pray. Yeshua says in Yochanan, and that was all free. It wasn't in my first message, so <laughs> first crowd missed that one. But someone needs to hear that. Train your children to pray. They need to be prayer warriors. I'm just going to say this and move on off this topic. But I'm reminded again of the Brownsville. I remember the Argentinian revivalists telling the story. They were, it had the bus that traveled around so they could pray you know, at different parts of the city, and a five-year-old got on the bus, and they're like, oh, where is your, like, where's your mom or dad? And he's like, oh, I'm here to pray. That's what he was there for. He was there to pray. Enough. Yochanan 14, Yeshua says, trust me that I am united with the Father, and the Father united with me. But if you can't, then trust because the works themselves. In other words, if you can't trust what I'm saying, you've just seen all the miracles and everything I have done. You've been walking with me. You've seen all of these things. He says, indeed, I tell you that whoever trusts in me has faith will do the works I do. Indeed, he will do greater ones because I'm going to the Father. In fact, whatever you ask for in my name, I will do. 
Can I repeat that again? Whatever you ask for in my name, I will do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask for something in my name, I will do it. God hears our prayer. God answers our prayers. He wants you to know this. As we go into this week of prayer, as we enter into 2021, and we do not know what the future holds for any of us. If 2020 has taught us anything, it should have taught us that. We don't know what the future holds. But as the song goes, I know who holds my future. And that is God Almighty. And I am not shaken by anything that I see in the world and by what I hear in the world. I am concerned. If you're my friend on Facebook, you see the things that I am posting. I am very concerned about a lot of things that are happening, about laws trying to be passed here in our particular state. And I am going to do my part to speak up. But more importantly, I'm putting my hope and trust in God. I am not shaken by the storms of life because I know the one who stills the storms. I know the one who says, peace, be still. And so whatever may happen in 2021, as I said in my word for the year, God is still on the throne. And my job is to partner with him through prayer. People says prayer changes things. I was reading an article that said it's not really that prayer changes things, although it's important, but it's that God changes the things. He's the one who does the changing. As I said, our prayers are just things uh, are partnering with him. So I want to encourage you with a, a, quite a few scriptures here as I close the message because I want you to get in your heart of hearts that God hears our prayers. Amen. Can we say that together? God hears our prayers. That is the theme of this week. And again, I want you to come confidently before God, joining with others across this nation and around the world, believing that God is hearing what we are praying. Isaiah 65, 24, it says, Before they call, I will answer. Why they are still speaking, I will hear. I love this verse. It is God assuring us that he hears and answers his prayer. I remember years ago someone sharing a dream. I don't remember if this person had the dream themselves or they heard it from someone else. But the person was in heaven, and they went into what looked like a great warehouse. And in this warehouse, there were these gifts just rows and rows and, and, you know, like to the ceiling. It was just filled with gifts. And the person asked, what are these? And the answer was given, they are answers to prayers waiting to be asked. That's what I think of when I see this verse. Before they call, I will answer. In other words, God has the answer right there, just waiting for you to ask. And he's going to release it into your life and into my life. The psalmist says, Tehillim 107, 28, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their disease. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad. 
that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired heaven. Anyone feel like you're in a storm right now? Anyone feel like the waves are crashing hard against your little boat? Like I said, we know the one who says, be still. He has not changed. There's no storm that you are facing right now that is greater than your God. There's no trouble that you might find yourself in right now that God can't move and bring you to a place of safety and deliverance. God wants you to know that he hears your prayers, that he is your deliverer, that he is the one in the midst of your storm that is going to lead and guide your ship, your little boat, to the other side, to safety. Matthew, Yeshua says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. This verse we preached on many times. It's a, a progressive of, of, uh, of the asking. It gets more and more intense. Ask, seek, knock. In other words, that, that diligence, that fervency, going after it. I am not giving up God until you move and you answer in this situation. And Yeshua says, you're going to receive the answer. In Mark 11, Yeshua says, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe. Faith, faith, faith. Friends, have faith that you have received it and it will be yours. In Yochanan chapter 15, this is a chapter on the vine. Yeshua says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you. And he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Do you see a pattern here? In these verses, they're meant to encourage you that God hears your prayers and that he is answering them. As we go to in prayer this week, God already has answers that he wants to release into your life, into my life, into our world. Again, in Yochanan chapter 16, he says, In that day you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Friends, you must hear what God is saying. He hears our prayers. He answers them. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, 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 he is saying. And you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Tehillim 91, because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Because he loves me. Friends, do you love him? Do you love him? He is the lover of my soul. Because he loves me, I will answer, God says. Because he knows my name. Do you know his name? 
Do you know his name? Do you know that he is El Shaddai, God Almighty? Do you know that he's Adonai, Rapha, the God who heals? Do you know that he's Adonai, Nisi? The Lord is my banner. Do you love him? Do you know him? See, that relationship, that relationship is what allows me to have confidence when I come into his presence. Tehillim 10, 17, O Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart and you will incline your ear. Direi Hayamim Bet, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, and this verse has been used a lot this past year to try to rally the troops and to stir up the body of Messiah. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Friends, do not give up on praying for God to heal our land and our world. We're going to be starting the book of Shemot next week in our Torah reading, and this is from the first Parsha, chapter 3, verse 7. It says, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. Friends, God sees exactly what is happening in your life personally right now. He sees what is happening in our little community here at Beth Emanuel, here on Long Island, here in New York State, here in America, here in the world. Israel was in Egypt for over 400 years. It was easy to think that God had forgotten them. I want to tell you, don't interpret silence as God forgetting you. God is working. We sung it today. But the enemy meant for evil, he turns for good. There's another song that talks about even when I don't see it, he is working. Friends, you may not see it, but I want to tell you right now, God is answering your prayer. I know that, I know that, I know that he is answering your prayer. Why? Because of everything that I have shared today, every verse that I have read today tells me who God is. He is a prayer-answering God. And I don't care how you feel. I don't care uh, what you think in your mind. I'm telling you right now, those thoughts, if they don't align up to these scriptures, are thoughts from hell to torment you. God sees your pain. He sees your suffering. And like he swept in and brought Moshe to be a deliverer for the children of Israel, God is going to step into your life and into the world situation and work in a ways that we could not think or imagine. Zechariah 13, 9, they will call on my name and I will answer them. Friends, do you hear what God is saying? I will answer you. Call on me, pray. Yochanan Olive 3.22, and whatever you ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. 
Matthew 18:19 again I say to you if two of you agree on earth about anything they may ask it will be done for them by my father who is in heaven this week it's not just going to be two people all right it is going to be not just you know 30 congregations on long island it is going to be hundreds of thousands of believers across America and even millions around the world joining in prayer together within our one denomination. You think God is going to listen? Yeah, I think so. God wants you and me to grab hold of this promise that he hears and answers our prayers. That is why we can be confident when we approach him in prayer. This is our assurance. We have faith, not in faith, again, and not in our prayers, but in Adonai, who he has revealed himself to. So I want us to commit ourselves to being a praying people. Unfortunately, many believers are not committed to serious times of prayers. As I said, I think this change in this past year but I can sense a, a weariness in um, people's minds and psyches and emotions. It's like enough is enough, and you're worn down by everything that is going on in the world. And, and although you know you should pray, it's hard to, to get yourself to that place. But we need to be continually devoted to serious times of prayer. Leonard Ravenhill Again, another great man of God from the previous generation said this, quit playing, start praying. Quit feasting, start fasting. Talk less with men, talk more with God. Listen less, listen less to men, and I would adapt that and throw in my little two shekels worth, stop listening so much to the news and listen to the words of God. Skip travel, start travail. Friends, we need to be a people of prayer and Rabbi Michael and I want to encourage you to join us in this week of praying daily. Again, we have tried to devote ourselves and encourage this congregation over the years to always be a praying congregation. If you've been around for any length of time, you know that prayer has always been one of the most important parts of the fabric of this congregation. We've always felt the prayer meetings are one of the post most important meetings of this Kehillah. When you came in, you received a handout about the topics for each day. I want to quickly go over them. If you're watching on online, online and want a copy of this handout, you can email me at info at or you can leave a comment. I'll check them later today. I will be sending out an email. If you're already on the email list uh, tonight, I'll be sending out an email with this list. So these are the different things that we're going to be praying for. Tomorrow, we're going to pray from lost to found. We're going to pray for unbelieving family and friends to come to faith in Yeshua. Anyone else have unbelieving family members? God, save my unsaved family. 
I have a large family. You see all the pictures I took from the, in my time this summer. I have probably, I think, 16, 17 nephews and nieces. Most of them are married, have their own kids, spouses. This is my immediate family. Lost contact with cousins and things, uh, you know, extended family. God, bring them out of darkness into light. We have a Jewish community who we want to reach. We want them to see their Messiah. I think we can travail tomorrow that the loss would be found. Don't you think we could do that, friends? As I shared with my husband, we've had people pray with us online from our streaming that are not even, don't even live here in this area. My heart is so touched every time I read someone reaching out and telling us they have prayed. Monday, we're going to pray from hate to hope. Pray that God will use us to be agents of hope confronting the hate in our world. Friends, you know there's a lot of hate going on in our world right now. All right? And I want to tell you, a lot of that hate is directed at the body of Messiah. All right? Don't be, uh, you know, ignorant. We are targets, friends, of what is happening in this world. And I also want to tell you the Jewish people are targets. And because you're part of a Messianic Jewish congregation, you are, have double barrels pointed at you. All right, we have been working uh, in our National Jewish Fellowship on the resolution that we are hope to see presented to our denomination against anti-Semitism. So we've been working for six, seven months on this in a committee of fellow Jewish workers. I want to tell you the information and things that we have found. Anti-Semitism is at pre-Holocaust levels. Do you understand that? Do you understand what that means? Are you aware that when this virus first uh, broke out last year, that there are people uh, carrying signs around blaming the Jewish people for it? Do you understand that? Okay. So you understand my concern for a, an amendment to a health bill that says that uh, if our governor, who tends to be a little anti-Jewish, especially the Orthodox community, feels it right in his eyes, that someone, even a group of people, is a threat that they can put them over somewhere? Hmm? Friends, hate is in this world. Now, how do we respond to hate? Not with hate back. We respond with hope and with love to change that hate. Tuesday, we're going to pray from sickness to health. Pray for physical healing, but not just physical healing. Pray for emotional healing. Even before this thing happened last year, this virus and the shutdown and everything that ensued from that, there is such anxiety in our world. I shared this in many messages. You can go back and listen years before this happened and talking to different mental health counselors about this situation. From children to teenagers to adults, a spirit of anxiety and what has happened through this past year and events, it has gotten worse. 
So when we pray for healing, we want to pray for physical healing, but we also want to pray for mental and emotional healing. He is Adonai Rapha, and the word Rapha means healing completely of all that we are. On Wednesday, we're going to pray from brokenness to restoration. Pray that hurting people will experience God's grace and presence even in the most difficult circumstances. Friends, there are a lot of hurting people in our world today. People who got sick with the virus, people who lost loved ones. There are people who lost their source of income. Do you understand that? Again, you, this uh, bothers me to no end. Small businesses being shut down, representing families that have lost their livelihood. Do you think that they're not feeling broken and hopeless? And don't see a light at the end of the tunnel? So we can be those who pray for that to change and for God to move and intercede and bring them hope and bring restoration and restore what the enemy has taken away from these people. Thursday, we're going to pray from apathy to action. We're going to pray that our hearts will be turned towards heaven to discern God's direction and to submit to his calling. In our message on Hanukkah, we talked a lot about the men of Issachar discerning the times. And we talked about how Mattathias and his sons were men of action, and we need to be people of action. God is looking for men and women. And I told you during my message, and Rabbi Michael shared again, it doesn't matter what your age is. Mattathias was an old man. David was a young man. Hadassah was young. Mattathias was old, but God used them all. And whoever you are listening to my voice today, whether you're on the uh, latter end of the spectrum and you're in your 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond, or whether you are 16, 17, 15, 13, I want to tell you God wants you to be a person of action today. Don't be apathetic about what is happening in your family. If the enemy has attacked your family, don't be apathetic about it. Fight. If you are not going to fight for your family, who is going to do it? If that unsaved loved one doesn't mean enough for you to fight for their soul, who is going to do it? Friends, we need to shake off the apathy and become men and women of action that say, I am going to do what I need to do until I see change in my family, until I see change in this situation with that discernment from God. Friday, we're going to pray from empty to filled. We're going to pray for fresh empowerment of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, for holy living and boldness to share God's love with the hurting and lost. Friends, more than any day or time or season, people need to hear the good news of Yeshua. We shared this in our series on Hanukkah as well. Our focus should be to share the good news. There are people who need to hear it. He is their hope. And we need that boldness to share that faith. We need to be empowered from on high. And on Saturday, we're going to conclude this from doubt to faith, what this message has been all about. We're going to be 
approaching God with persistency and confidence that he hears our prayers. So friends, Rabbi Michael and I want to encourage you to join us as we join millions around the world to pray through these points this week. I also want to encourage you once again to be a part of our congregational Thursday night prayer meeting. I've said it so many times over the last 10 months, and you're probably like, oh, no, here she goes again. Yes, here I go again, because I'm going to tell you I don't get it. Every single person should be at the prayer meeting the way we have it set up right now unless you have to work. All you have to do is click the button. Voila, there you are on the screen. We should have so many people that I need to make breakout rooms. Yeah, you can do that on Zoom so that everyone can pray. So if we have 70 people on there, we could have seven rooms of 10 people praying. How powerful do you think that might be, friends? And all you have to do is clip, and there you are. Well, I get home at 7, so click on at 7. Rena and I are watching who's, who comes in, and we'll, we'll add you in. This is my little pet peeve. Indulge me. I'm your rabbi. I love you. I've been on vacation. I feel a little refreshed. Friends, prayer is important. We've said it all along throughout the years. Those of you have been around, you know we have you know, beaten this drum before. You should be at prayer meetings. But today, when it's online, and all you have to do is click the button from your house, and you don't join us for prayer, just saying, friends, that's your change. And I encourage wherever you're at in your prayer life, look to increase it, not just in this week ahead, but in the year ahead. If you don't fast regularly, look to do it. Thursday is a day that has been set aside for years as a day of fasting for us as a congregation. Pick one meal and fast it. So I want to close with this promise, once again, from Adonai and Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah 29, 12. When you call to me and pray to me, I will listen to you. And I pray that that rings in your heart and mind as you leave from this place today. God says, I will listen to you, Beth Emanuel. And put your personal name in there. So let us stand to our feet. I want to close with the ironic benediction. After I close, you are free to dismiss yourself. Remember, put your mask back on before you leave from the sanctuary. But before I close with the ironic benediction, I want to give opportunity for those who don't yet have that personal relationship with Yeshua to start it today. So I want to lead us in a prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's a prayer I prayed when I was six years old. It's a prayer my husband prayed in his 20s. And many in this sanctuary have prayed this prayer, but it is a prayer that will forever change your life. So I'm going to ask those who are in the sanctuary to pray the prayer with me. And if you're praying online, I want to encourage you to reach out to me afterwards. So, dear God, thank you for loving me and allowing me to hear this message today. Thank you for sending Yeshua to die for my sins. I repent and accept 
your gracious gift. Write my name in the book of life. Amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer and you're here in the sanctuary, come speak to my husband or me. If you're online, again, if you email me at info at I will respond. My husband and I would like to encourage you in your new faith and be a part of your spiritual journey. Friends, let us close here with the ironic benediction. God said, this is how you shall bless the children of Israel. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. May you walk in the shalom of God Almighty. Let us pray fervently this week, knowing that God answers our prayers. God bless you. Shabbat shalom.